It can't. <laughs> um, good to see you. Glad you're here this morning. We are digging into what the scripture says about finances. It has a lot to say about um, our, our finances, our money, uh, earning it, spending it, saving it, giving it. It, it has a, a lot to say because our finances are so close to our heart that God... God wants to use what's going on in that arena just like he does every other arena to get to our heart. He, he wants to, to help us to come to know him. And the way life is, uh, life is less than perfect since first man and woman decided to rebel against God and we, we put our stamp of approval on it. So life is less than perfect and we have frustrations, we have things going on that God uses to to get our attention, to draw our hearts to him. And so we've been looking at the financial realm. It's, it's not a static area of our lives. It's very dynamic and alive. And what you'll find is as you learn to handle your money in line with God's scriptural principles, you will find that he is faithful and he is using these things to make us more like himself and Follow him if we've decided to cooperate with him. He gives us that choice. Last week, we looked at the fact that God is the owner of all. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. We all belong to him. Now, he gives us the choice of whether or not we decide to recognize his ownership. He, he allows us to choose whether or not we're going to follow him, but he made us. And he's never transferred the deed to anyone else. He, he's never done that. So he's still the owner. That's what Psalm 24 says. Uh, as the owner, he has the resources to help us, to, to bless us. And he is in control. It's another thing you find in Scripture. He's in control and he uses everything for our good. He uses all the stuff that's going on in every area of our lives, even our finances, to, to develop us, to change us. He also meets our needs. As we choose to follow him, he, he will meet our needs. He promises to do that as we make him number one. He, he meets our needs. He's in control. So since he owns it, he has the resources. And since he's in control, he, he's working everything out to hopefully as we cooperate with him to, to help us find blessing in him. Our role is that we are stewards of what belongs to him. We're managers. That's what the word steward means. We're, we're managing what already belongs to God. God wants us to give him control of our lives and our finances and aim to be faithful with them. And when you choose that perspective, when you finally recognize, boy, God, I've been trying to control what goes on in my life. I've been trying to manage these things that are seemingly out of control. And I'm just going to stop now. I've made mistakes, I've blown it, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to recognize your ownership over my life and over my finances. Wow, the tension gets released. And that's our role. Our role is to be faithful stewards. God gets involved in our finances. That's something else we looked at. He gets involved in our finances, 
and he tests us through them to see if we're going to be faithful with them before he gives us more and before he gives us true riches, which is a better understanding of him and some other things. So he, he rewards us in the midst of how we handle our, our finances. Last week, we also looked at a statement that applies today to today's message. It applies every day, actually, <laughs> but it, it applies to our message today as well. Matthew 6:24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. I think we try to do this in America sometimes. We try to serve both, both of these things, God and wealth. Wealth is a very high value in America, top of the list. Um, Credit is the way to be wealthy right now. Um, here, here are some facts about debt in America. U.S. consumer debt is $2.52 trillion, 82% increase since the year 2000. The average American spends $1.26 for every dollar that they make. Now, how, how do you do that? <laughs> Put the plastic out there. That's how you do it. Um, I actually know how to do that. <laughs> um, the credit card industry made $43 billion in fee income last year. That's late payments, over-limit fees, and balance transfer fees. Um, there are over 1 billion Visa and MasterCard accounts. That's only Visa and MasterCard. That's not American Express, Discover, or Shell, or the department store things, or anything like that. Visa and MasterCard, 1 billion. That's three or four for every person in the United States. That's every person, even the babies. And they don't have them. Um, now, you've, you've probably experienced this. You've probably experienced this. They, the, card, the credit card companies mail 6 billion credit card invitations every year. You, you know that to be a fact. <laughs> That's 20 for every person in America. Debt is the American way. I mean, it's the way to be wealthy right now. You don't have to wait. You can just rack it up. In this moment, right now, pay later. No interest for so long. But the Bible strongly discourages debt. So we're looking at what God says about our finances. And as you dig into Scripture, you find out that debt is strongly discouraged. The common wisdom on debt that's okay is debt for business, debt for a home mortgage, debt for education, some of those kind of things. Um, but, but here are the dangers of debt. And I think the primary dangers come in uh, the consumer debt area, the credit card area and other ways that we finance things that we probably couldn't afford right now if we didn't. Here are the dangers of debt according to the scripture. First one, it makes us a slave. Proverbs 22.7, the rich will over the poor and the borrower is the servant to the lender. If you're in debt, you're not free to decide how to spend your money. The more debt you accumulate, the more the bigger piece of your overall pie is locked in and you're not free to spend that. So it, you're tied to it. You're tied to the lender. You've got to pay it. You're going to have to pay it. 
Secondly, it limits our freedom to love. Romans 13.8 says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. We aren't completely free to serve God and others because we're chained to our debt. We've got to work to pay that off. A need surfaces. Someone close to us, someone we love, we'd really love to help, but we can't, we can't do it because we're, we're tied to our debt. Third, it presumes on our future. James 4, 13 through 15 says, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know? Or why, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. When, when you're in debt, you're, you're presuming that your life is going to go along a certain track, that you're going to keep gaining more and more money and earning more and more, and you're going to stay on track, the one that you probably have mapped out in your mind. Um, debt presumes on that. It presumes. It's, it it you know, God may put it in your heart to do something else, something you're not currently doing. You may have your mind set on moving this way, but what if God brought something up, put it on your heart to do, to go another way? You may not be completely free to do that if you're chained to your debt. So God in the Bible gives some solid help on how to get free from the credit trap. He, he, he lays it out there. Now, what we tend to think is, if, if our debt is so much, then I only need more money. I, that's, this is an easy answer, isn't it? More money. <laughs> that's the way out of the, the credit trap. Just give me some more and I'll be fine. That's no problem. I, I was listening to my brother-in-law. He did a workshop on, on the things we're talking about at this conference I went to this week. And he has a friend who makes $100,000 a month. And he's in debt to the point where he cannot pay his bills. More money really isn't the answer. That's what we think. More money, I'll pay it off, I'll pay it off. No. What you have to do if you're going to get free financially is you have to deal with your heart. See, these are heart issues. These, these are not these are not more money issues. These are, these are not income issues. They're heart issues. You've got to deal with your heart, and then you can deal with your lifestyle. But the first key to getting free financially is to deal with your heart, to recognize God's ownership over your life, and then to be, be rich toward God. That's what Jesus said. We need to be rich toward him. Get our values in the right place. Set our heart on what's important to him. Look at what he said in Luke 12:15. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's the opposite of the way we think in America. We think a man's life is his possessions and the things we own, where we live, what we drive, what we do, how we make money, these, these define us. Jesus says, not in my kingdom, not in my realm. That's one of the things you decide as you decide to follow him. You decide to to make him the Lord. And in his realm, boy, life is so much more than stuff that wears out and has to be fixed 
and has to be replaced. It's so much more than that. To make sure they got it, the people that Jesus was speaking to right here, he told a story. This is a story he told. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said to me, this is, then he said to me, <laughs> to me, myself and I, he had a conference. He said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. This, this is a subtle goal in our, in our culture. To get to the point where you can eat, drink, and be merry and just enjoy life. It's something we, we look for to retirement. We have this picture in our mind of retirement. At this conference I mentioned earlier that I was at this week, there was a man there that I really admire. And he's, been a, he's an example to me. He's, I think he's about 87 now. His name's Kyle Dean. He's a pastor in Azusa. And he's, he was at this minister's leadership conference, and he's still going. He's pastoring a church right now at his age. He's making a transition to another pastor, but he hasn't quit yet. When he was 81, I asked him, I said, Kyle, when do we get to retire? And he said, we don't. And I said, all right, that's what I thought. I just, I just wanted to check. Here he is. He's 86 or 87. He's struggling with cancer, and he hasn't quit because he knows what really matters in life. And he's setting an example for me to, to give myself to the things that really count. To not look for that day when I get to eat, drink, and be merry. Man, that, just sitting around the house or doing things that don't matter. Oh, that is, that is poverty. But Jesus says we need to be rich toward God. Listen to what he said. So the man gets to the point where he thinks he can retire, and God says to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Being rich toward God is having your self-image anchored in Jesus Christ. It's realizing the treasure that you have in him and setting yourself to live for his purpose. If not, you need things to feel significant. You need a bank account to feel secure. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can find your own value. You can be rich in Him to the point where you can, you can handle the stuff of the world rightly and loosely. And you don't need it to define yourself. But you, you can trust Him. Jesus has paid a high price for you and me. He, he has. Look at Colossians 2, 13 and 14. It says, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it. To the cross. He himself paid our debt 
our spiritual debt, our debt to God, created by our rebellion to him. He paid it, and he nailed it to the cross. How, how valuable are we before the living God that he would do that? We're, we're valuable as human beings because he made us in his image, and he gave us a place in creation, a very high place in creation. And then when we fell somewhat, when we decided to rebel, he reaffirmed our value by paying this high price on the cross for our sin so that we can have life. To be rich toward God is to recognize what he's done for you and I and to build our life from there forward realizing the significance we have in him and the security. Because no matter what happens in this life, we're secure for the next. That's what it's really all about. 70, 80, 90, 100 years, people are living longer now. We have on earth nothing compared to the trillion plus that we will have in eternity. That's a long time. That's a long time. We need to be rich toward the right things, toward the right person, God himself. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. Second, to get free from the credit trap, we need to enjoy what God has given us and be content. Having more will not make you anything that you aren't before you get it. And it won't meet your deepest needs. Stuff just is stuff. It doesn't have a heart. <laughs> you know, it, it really doesn't. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says, Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. It made me think of the, uh, the country. I, don't, I can't remember which country it is, but uh, there was a country where a, the, they were hired to do some work for, uh, I think it was a company in the United States, and... They paid them so well that after a month, nobody was in, they, they weren't motivated to keep working. So they were just, hey, that's, I'm just going to, you just paid me a whole year's salary. I'll wait till next year, and then I'll work another month. <laughs> and so what the company did is they brought in catalogs for, for the people to begin to look through. And then they wanted what was in the catalog. They were motivated to work. So... That, that's where, there you go. We have a lot of help in the media with discontent. There are billions spent every year to get into your wallet, to get into your bank account to lead us to spend. When you buy stuff on credit that you can't afford, you're showing discontent with, with your life. A friend of mine says, use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. I think that's a good policy. <clears throat> Hebrews 13, 5-6 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Wrap your heart around God and his purpose. He, he really is enough. The third thing to get free from the credit trap is to follow God's plan for your finances. I've asked Mark Gresick to come and he's going to he's going to share his a, a brief testimony. I'm going to interview him uh, about some things that he went to. Cindy and I are taking this journey toward financial freedom with everyone. We're going to go to the seminar. We're going to try to use this as an opportunity to get on the the same page because it, if you're married, it's very important to make this a team effort. 
You need to get on the same page. This is a, this is a source of a lot of problems in marriages. George Gallup says it's the number one cause of arguments in marriage, uh, family finances. And so, anyway, that's, that's not why I'm bringing Mark up, but uh, <laughs> come on up, Mark. He, he's just going to share about the financial end, not his, his marriage. I think his marriage was okay. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? And it is. Yes, yes. Jeannie? <laughs> um, I wanted Mark to share because when did you come to Christ, Mark? Um, I came to Christ in, I think it was the middle of 1994. About 1994. And um, after a few years walking with God, uh, I think he and Jeannie hit the wall financially. Would you just kind of describe what was going on? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, we, we had a situation where uh, we decided that Jeannie was going to stay home and take care of our daughter. I think it went. I think it went out, huh? Did you? You might have hit the button. Let's see. Nope. Anybody got a pair of glasses? Nope. <laughs> you hit one of these buttons. I hit. Ah, I can't. Here, here we go. Okay. <laughs> Somebody with good eyes. <laughs> Oh, he was pointing me to go back there. Oh, okay. We're going to get it fixed briefly. Okay. You think I would know this by now? (laughs) Mark leads our sight and sound, too. (laughs) Obviously, I don't do the mic part. Okay. You had asked um, what was going on in our life at the time. Yeah. Um, Well, as I had started to mention, uh, we had decided that Jeannie was going to stay home. And one of the problems is I wasn't... I'm not really good at finances. I didn't like messing with the money. So we kept spending like we had two incomes, even though we only had one. And what, that happened, what happens with that is it's like, you know, for every, every dollar you make, you're spending twice as much. It doesn't take very long before you run out. And we had gotten to a point where we had maxed out most of the credit lines we had. And there really was no place to left to turn. And so I'd actually considered maybe I should just go you know, file bankruptcy, you know, take the easy way out. But there was a scripture, and I can't remember exactly where it was in uh, Psalm 37. Psalm 37, it talks about, the, <laughs> thank you. But the gist of the passage talked about, you know, those who borrow and don't pay back. And it didn't, I didn't really like what it had talked about when it, what, it, what it was talking about through that. And I thought, well, you know, the only place left for me to turn is really to go to God and look what God had asked to do with money and, and try to manage it that way. So what were some of the decisions that you made and some practices that you put into place? Oh, gosh. You know, one of the first things you have to do is you really got to take this, like, inventory of what you have, where you're at with everything, and just get an honest assessment. Uh, after that, um, I had to start putting together what I would think would be a reasonable spending plan. And part of that was start including tithing, even though you think with tithing, you're like, well, you know, wouldn't it be better just to pay the bills? But I knew that God said that we need to start giving, so we started giving you know, more than what we were doing, um, had to start keeping really good records because if you, don't, if you don't know what you're spending money on, it's kind of hard to control it. Uh, besides that, we also had to figure out how we were going to save a little bit. Um, but there was, like, major life changes we had to make. Uh, first of all, we had to get rid of two car payments that we had, and we went down to, you know, old cars. And I remember driving around an older car that didn't have air conditioning in the heat of the summer for many years just so that we weren't making car payments anymore. But... Um, it's really just, you know, kind of setting those things into motion and then taking that leap of faith and just starting to move forward with it that, you know, God began to change things for us. So 
how how has God making those decisions, putting those practices in place? What are some things some some things He's done in you, like changes He's made in your perspective, and then how how has He helped? Well, the first change in perspective was I think Randy had already talked about it is that I was just a steward, in and I was going to be I needed to be a good manager of what He gave to me. It wasn't mine to begin with. And I just wasn't doing a very good job with it. So that was one perspective he gave me. And the other was that, really, he's just in control of everything. And if I follow the way he told me to do it, that things would work out well. And I think as a result of that, Jeannie and I are in a much better position today. Um, we're not, no longer in debt. As a matter of fact, we, we got from a point where our credit was really bad. And we kind of rebuilt the thing back up. And then after several years, we were able to actually you know, sell our house and buy a bigger house, which was really even... More of a blessing from God. Great. Um, are there? Can you think of? Now you may not. This is impromptu, by the way. You might be able to tell. But uh, can you think of some? Don't worry. I won't. I won't just call the next person up. Uh, but can you? Can you think of some specific ways that Lord provided beyond uh, your expectations as you set out to to follow Him? Well, the one thing that I noticed that you can't really outgive God. Every time that you give, you get, you get back twice as much in return. Um, and it's just taking that leap of faith or moving forward with what you know is right to do. And it seems like it might be a little nerve-wracking for the first couple of months. But, you know, after that, we just noticed that things actually did get taken care of when we followed that, even then when you didn't think you knew where everything was going to come from. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden it's like, wow, we've got an extra $200 in the bank, you know, Checking account, and we thought, oh, this is pretty cool until we figured out that the brakes needed to be fixed on the car. So. But, I mean, it's little things like that that we're able to, you know, God was able to, to show his faith and, you know, and help us out. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mark. I really appreciate that. I wanted, I wanted Mark to share because I, I wanted you to hear how God works and how, as you set his financial practices into into play, he really comes through um, and, and helps along the way. But here, here's this God's, a summary of God's plan. Give at least a tithe back to God. We're going to look at that next week. Brings God's protection and blessing. Uh, we will look at this in depth later. Um, keep good records, Proverbs 27, 23 through 24. Look after your sheep and cattle as carefully as you can because wealth is not permanent. Not even nations last forever. If you catch yourself saying, I don't know where all the money goes, you're in trouble. That's, that's really one of the first steps is to start tracking what, what's going on. Four things we need to know. What I own, what I owe, what I earn, and where it goes. The seminar is going to provide tools to help with that. That's uh, coming up May 17th. Plan your spending is the next thing. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Buy now, pay later. That's the definition of haste. Unplanned expenditures are impulse buying. I read a little story about somebody who's part of Debtors Anonymous, and she freezes her credit cards in a bowl of water so that if she wants to use them, she has to wait for them to melt. Okay, my <clears throat> that wouldn't help me. Because I have a hammer, <laughs> and I would break through them to get to my cards. You have to deal with your heart. I mean, you can come up with ideas that will help keep your heart in check. That's not a bad thing. But you have to deal with your heart. Plan your spending, and as you have your plan, you've got to 
get your heart in the right place to, to, to work it out. Save for the future is another aspect of God's, God's plan. Go to the ant, you sluggard, it says in Proverbs 6. Consider his ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. One of the things that happens when you become an adult, you realize, I can spend my money the way I want. But the ant has no commander, no overseer, and the ant is wise because it's thinking about what's coming up. Prudent, it's, it's planning ahead, thinking about what's coming. Working now and saving up for what he knows is coming. Emergencies, education, retirement, other things. You can't get around faith. You're going to have to use faith as you, as you do your plan, as you work your plan. But uh, God, God, God still wants you to get, get some planning done. And, and go for it. Sometimes we get into debt and hope becomes a method. We hope in a big business deal. We hope that we're going to get the right job that's going to help us cover it. We hope that the lottery ticket we just bought is the one. We begin to imagine things like going to the mailbox and finding a big check. And so we, 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 we get into hope. There are, here's an illustration that has really helped me. There are two circles in our lives. The first circle is a big circle of all our concerns, our fears, our worries, the things that weigh on us. There's another concern inside of all of those that is our responsibility. What you do with the circle of concerns, the big circle, is you take that to God. The things you can't control. Your finances are not completely in in control. The way your life's going to go is not completely in control. We have concerns, fears, worries. We pray about those things. We take them to God and we entrust them to him. The circle of responsibility inside of that, we, we define that. We try to figure out what is it, God, that I need to do? What is my role? What does it mean to be a faithful manager of the things that you have provided for me? What, what, is, what is my role in this? And we decide to learn faithfulness by following God's plan. Here are some possible next steps for you. In the back of your connection card or welcome card, there are some next steps. And you can check one if you'd like. Just jot your name on the front, check one on the back, and make a statement that you're going to do this. We want to have this habit of doing God's Word rather than just listening to it or hearing it. Some of the next steps you could take is I I will make my relationship to God number one priority and be rich toward Him. I'm going to anchor my self-image in him. I'm going to quit trying to get satisfaction with more stuff. I'm going to set my heart to do what pleases him. Second next step you could take is I'm just going to ask God for help to be content with what's going on. My, my needs are enough as I grow in my relationship to God, just my basic needs. With food and covering, I'm going to be content. You have to decide that. You have to learn that. It's not, it's not something that we're just born with. Next, we, I will ask, uh, or next, I'll just, maybe you want to memorize Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor and the servant, uh, the borrower is the servant to the lender. Proverbs 22, 7, something you can memorize or sign up for the seminar if you haven't done that yet. Um, those are some next steps. Let's ask God for help as we set out to follow him. Father, we thank you for the practical truth that we find in your word, for the help <clears throat> that is there, and the way that you 
not only lay out the principles for life, but you give us the help to follow them as we trust you to do that, Lord. So I pray that you would, you would help us to understand your ways, specifically right now in financial arena, that uh, as we understand your ways here, that we might understand you in a better way and experience your provision and your protection and your blessing on our lives. Father, help us. As you put in our heart the next step, help us to do that next step by your power and not in our own strength, because we really can't in our own strength. So, Lord, we, we ask for your help in these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.